How are y'all doing? Good. Hey, when this past Wednesday night, you know what happened? Music Fest, a couple of you know, yes, we had Music Fest. It was so much fun. I love it. I love our church. I love, love, love our church. I love it when we get together for these fun um, gatherings. And you guys, I saw some of you out there dancing it up on the lawn. Kudos to you. That was so fun. Anytime you hear of an event going on, consider coming out because it is just a great time to connect and meet other people. It is so fantastic. And that um, was just (laughs) the best time. So... I saw you. You guys were uh, jamming out, and that was absolutely fantastic. All right, so summer. Woo, that was a good one. Loved it. Summer was good. It's not over, I know. One of my favorite things that my family's gotten to do a couple of times this summer, it's really easy. It's just a fun way to get away and connect with one another and enjoy the sunshine and the beautiful Minnesota scenery is we go to a, a nearby local beach along the river, and they've just had the best Time. I absolutely love these times with my family. You will see here, these are um, some of our friends that we take with us <laughs> to the beach. Uh, and that big guy in the center there, that's Uni. And a couple of my children can fit on that and then uh, just hang out in the middle of the river. We are safe about it. Um, You know, a river has a current and it's constantly flowing. So we have a little hand weight and we tie a rope to it and the kids just kind of hang out there and uh, hang onto the rope and just have a good time. This week, we went down to the river. Um, Whenever we sing that song, We Come Alive in the River, I just, ah, I love it. Every time we go down to the beach at the river, and if I post it on social media, I hashtag it, We Come Alive in the River, because that's how cool I am, I hashtag. But anyway, um, this, this past week, we were able to go down one afternoon for a couple of hours, and we didn't realize this huge storm was going to be blowing through. So all of a sudden, almost without warning, just like the winds picked up and the rain was flying all about, and um, there was thunder, and so we were quick scrambling trying to get, get everyone out of the water and into our car and drive away, and you guys pray for our family because we did lose a family member. Uni. Yeah. Uni went up river. I don't know. We couldn't get to her in time. We couldn't get her out of the water, and just off she went. And it was super traumatizing for my children. They just stood there and watched as she floated away. So pray for the boring kids, you guys. It was a, it was a sad time for little Uni and for my family. But let's pray for this service. How about that? Uh, we are continuing, like Oshita said, in our Loose End series. And so all summer long, we've been taking a look at some scriptures that you guys have asked us about. You guys have asked us certain questions about certain passages that just maybe you want to skip over and not even really deal with. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been unpacking some meaty ones. So we're going to continue that today. But right now, let's just pray. And if you're so inclined, when the born kids come up by and pray for them, their little hearts, and pray that you Uni has found a home somewhere upriver. All right. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, God, because you love us. Oh, you are unshakable. You are unmovable. You are steadfast, oh God. You are constantly for us. You are constantly for us, God. And Lord, you know who's here. You know who's listening. And you know what they need to hear. So I pray that your words would touch hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to talk to you, I want to share with you about my very first salvation experience. And I call it my first salvation experience for a particular reason, and hopefully you'll understand why in a little bit. But um, as I've talked here through the years, I've shared parts of my story, and so a lot of you know who've heard me speak, you know that I was adopted at the age of 13. And so around the age of nine or 10 years old, so this was pre-adoption, um, my biological mother and I and my little sister had moved to a new part of town, and we didn't have anything. We didn't, really, we didn't have money, we didn't have groceries, we just, we just didn't have much of anything. And there was a little Baptist church very close to where we lived. And somehow we had found out that the church had a food pantry and a food shelf and they would give to families in need. And so we reached out to the church and this lovely, sweet couple brought food out to us at our home. And when they saw me and they saw how old I was, they said, you know what, you're new in town. Why don't, if you would like, you can come to church and you can meet other kids your age and, and just have, have fun and meet some people. And so I thought, why not? I had nothing else going on, nine, 10 years old. My schedule wasn't super busy. So I thought, okay. And so I started going and many wonderful things transpired in my life as a result of going to this little Baptist church. Um, however, I remember very clearly that I was sitting in a service, much like you guys are. I was sitting in service one Sunday morning, and I was sitting by myself. My mother didn't come a ton with me. I was sitting by myself, and I don't know exactly what the preacher preached about. I don't know what he was, I don't know what he was teaching, but I do know there was a point when he was talking about needing to get saved, um, needing to be spared from um, hell. And I remember him pointing to, in my direction, and I'm pretty sure it was right at me because there was no one else sitting around me. But he was like, you need to get saved. And so I was like, okay, I'm, yep, sure, let's do this. So I did. <laughs> I did. Um, and like I said, many, many beautiful, wonderful things happened as a result of my going to this little Baptist church. But this is the deal. I didn't fully understand what I was doing. Um, I didn't fully understand what saying yes to Jesus truly meant. I didn't know anything about anything about anything about covenant and, and that relationship. I didn't understand that the relationship um, of, of me asking Jesus into my heart was one of, an, of a commitment of him to me and me to him. At that time in my life, I didn't have the ability to see from the perspective of our Heavenly Father. I had no idea, you guys, I had no idea that he knew me by name long before I ever heard of him. Long before I ever heard of him, he knew me by name. I had no idea that he would suffer alongside me and that his heart would break when I was suffering. I couldn't comprehend that he was interceding for me and on my behalf. Now, I have a small disclaimer here. I am not saying that people who come to the faith at a young age, that it's irrelevant or it doesn't mean anything. I'm just trying to say that at that point in my life, because of my situation and my circumstances, I didn't fully understand what was going on. There was a time, several years later, when I did begin to fully understand what it meant to follow Jesus and to serve him and to love him and have him love me. But that wasn't my initial experience. 
And as I have grown in my faith through the years, and as I have encountered beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ, as I have um, had relationships within the body of Christ, it has been an amazing thing to learn from other believers, to help um, other believers grow, to, be, to, to get help in my growth with my walk with the Lord. And there is something that we all have in common, and that is that we are human and we are flawed. I'm sorry if you thought you were perfect. I'm sorry. Pretty close. But we are all flawed in some way. You know what? Some of us even have stuff. You know what I mean by stuff? Like, not good. Like, some of us even have stuff. Some of us even have dysfunctions. Or we just, we have mess in our life. Um, And some of us, when we have those dysfunctions, when we have that stuff, when we have those shortcomings, we know that we can take it to the feet of Jesus and leave it there for him to take the burden off of us. Some of us know that. But there are others of us who don't turn toward God when we're experiencing the dysfunction or we're experiencing the ickiness or we're experiencing the stuff and the mess. Some of us don't do that. We don't turn to God because we're afraid. We're afraid that this time is going to be one too many times for God. We're afraid that if we say, hey, look, I'm, I messed up again, I'm dealing with this again, that God's going to be like, you know what, I am so done with you. For some, our salvation isn't freedom, it's, it, it's fear. Because there's a fear that God isn't going to accept us as we are. There's a fear that we're never going to be good enough. And the reason why... Some of us have that fear is because of certain scriptures that we read that seem to say that. And so today, as a part of our Loose End series, we're going to look at a couple of passages in the book of Hebrews. And I just want to reiterate again that um, these are passages that, are, that aren't easy to, to go through, but there's, there, there's something here for us if we just take the time and dig in a little bit. So let's look at this pas- these sets of passages in Hebrews chapter 6. All right, it is impossible, it says, for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public shame, public disgrace. So this passage... And some others like it are amongst some of the scarier ones that we read in the scriptures. And in reading them, many Christians for centuries have worried that they may have lost their salvation. Maybe they, haven't, they weren't even truly saved. That's been a concern. And these questions have been eating away at them and eating away at them. And it's almost like a, a bit of a bondage. I have um, a friend of mine that I met several years ago. He's, he's older, and he's been used by God um, in numerous ways, and I've been so encouraged by him. But uh, his testimony is that he was once severely, severely addicted to drugs and alcohol. It was crippling for him. It uh, wrecked a lot in his life. It wrecked his marriage. It wrecked his relationship with his children. It was just, it was not good. And he talks about that uh, one, one time he just 
heard someone talking about Jesus and the power and the strength of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. And so he accepted that power and he accepted that strength and he accepted that love and that forgiveness. And he came into a relationship with Jesus. And he was instantly set free from his desire for his addiction. That doesn't always happen. I'm not saying that it does, but for him, it did. And it was a beautiful thing. And he was um, very out loud and very vocal about what God had done for him. And he would share his testimony with others, and he would um, help counsel others. And it was a beautiful thing to witness. But then some things happened in life. Some circumstances came up, and he found himself walking away, walking away from the freedom he had found, walking away from his, his um, new life walking away from his redemption. And he had people in his life by this time who were praying for him and encouraging him and willing him to come back out of that muck, come back out of that junk that he had returned to. And he had a desire to come back to Jesus and to serve the Lord again. He didn't want to be bound by his addiction. He didn't want to be in the throes of that lifestyle anymore. But he was so afraid that if he tried to return to Jesus, that Jesus wouldn't have open arms toward him. He was so afraid that he had messed up one too many times, that he had returned to his sin, and that God would not have anything to do with him. And it was because of scriptures like this, he thought, you know what, I knew what it was, I knew what it meant to love and serve God, and I chose to walk away from him, so he's not going to take me back. Now, we're going to come back to his story. I do want to let you know it's all good. He's good. He's good to go now, so he didn't stay there. So I don't want you, like, wondering and thinking that, but we're going to come back to his story in a bit. But um, he's not the only one. There are people out there who feel that way. Like, man, their sin is just too much. Their mistakes are far too great. They are not good enough to come into the presence of God. So today we're going to look at these passages and talk about what they really mean. But before we get into this, these verses in Hebrews, I want to talk a little bit about salvation because I think it's important to know what we are talking about and what we're not talking about. Because see, there are many people that for them, salvation is just about going to heaven and not going to hell. Salvation is just about a one-time decision that they made. They said a prayer, they got their ticket punched or their hands stamped or however you want to put it, and then they went along with their life as if nothing ever changed. But they know that they're going to heaven. For some people, that's what salvation is. At the end of this month, I am taking my daughter to her very first concert. Um, it's Taylor Swift, y'all, so pray for me. Um, don't be jealous. <laughs> I'm taking her to very first concert. We already have the tickets. Now, I have my ticket. The event isn't until the end of the month. My life isn't going to change. I'm not going to, I'm going to go about doing all the things I need to do. And then on the day, my daughter and I will go to the concert. Some people treat their salvation like that. They've got their ticket. It's for a future date. But in the meantime, they're just going to go about life and live and live their life. That was kind of my initial salvation experience because I didn't fully understand what it meant. So I thought I was good to go, and then I went about my life. And I gotta say, from personal experience, people who view salvation this way are truly missing out. That is not what salvation is about. Salvation, as intended by our Heavenly Father, is a covenant love relationship. It is a beautiful, life-giving relationship. 
It is knowing how very much he loves us. It's being certain of that. It is knowing that he is passionate about us and that he invites us into this beautiful love relationship with him and that it's mutual. We commit to him and he commits to us. And it is this ever-going synergistic thing that we can just bask in and belong to and love. We have scriptures that assure us that if we accept this invitation to become a part of him and him a part of us, we can be secure in his love and his eternal life. 1 Peter is one of those uh, verses. 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, we ha- he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's good news. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced, convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing. Nothing can separate us. We can be secure in that. That is such good news. That should give us such comfort. John 10, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Amen. He knows us and we follow him. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. No one can snatch us out of the hands of the loving God. We can be encouraged by these verses and there's so many others. The story of the scriptures is all about God's saving initiative toward humankind. We can be secure that God is for us. We can be secure that his love is immense toward you, for you, that his love will never fail you, that his love will never give up on you, ever, that his love will never run out on you. We can be secure in that. I feel like people need to really hear that and someone needs to get it rooted in their heart that his love will never fail you. His love will never run out on you. His love will never, ever disappoint you. You can believe that. You can know that. You can have security in that. And along with encouragement and along with exhortation as a part of what God does in his all-inclusive saving initiative, There are times, you guys, there are times when we as his children need a warning. There are times in our lives that we aren't living a life that fully reflects the life and love of Jesus. There are times when we may wander down a path that's going to lead us to destruction. There are times, and for the ages this has always happened, where his children sometimes tend to stray away from what is good, from what is healthy, 
from what is godly, from what is loving. When living as if we are still in darkness and we haven't been set free, there are times when we do that. And so God also uses scripture to lovingly call out to us as a warning to say, hey, hey, what's going on here? And Hebrews is an example of that. Remember, these are hard passages. And let me just say, you guys had questions about this, so I'm super thankful to whomever said, hey, let's talk about this. Thank you so much. I am thankful. It's just hard. But we gotta look at it, because it's important. I think it's important to also understand the background of Hebrews. It helps us to know what we're talking about. So the book of Hebrews is like a sermon to a body of believers. We know that they were believers just because of the language that was used. So these are people that had been enlightened, they had experienced the Holy Spirit, they had experienced God's goodness, they, um, they knew God's love had broken into their darkness and brought them into the light. They had experienced uh, spiritual blessings. Some of them had even become leaders and teachers. And amongst this, um, they were being severely persecuted. Some of them were being imprisoned. Some were even being tortured. Many of them were having their property confiscated. Um, they were facing public ridicule, all because they followed Jesus. They were in the minority by being Jesus followers because... Not everyone understood the beauty of the cross. They didn't think that was a very kingly thing for Jesus to have done. They didn't understand that what God did on the cross through Jesus Christ was beautiful and miraculous and would be life-giving for us all. They just saw an unworthy king who experienced an undignified execution. So they didn't understand the beauty of what they experienced. So this body of believers... They were going through this persecution, and so they needed encouragement. They needed ex exhortation. They needed emphatic urging. But they also needed warning because at the same time of, of the persecution happening, there was also sin that was going on. They were straying away from the faith, some of them. Some of them were living a life that wasn't uh, conducive of a Jesus follower, and some of them, we read, even had fallen away from the faith. So, yes, they needed to be encouraged, but they also needed a warning from God. I don't know about you guys, but there have been so many times in my life, so many times in my walk with the Lord, that I have needed him to remind me who I am, that I have needed him to speak to my heart and say, this is who you are, this is what I say about you, to remind me of what he's called me to do and how he's called me to love and how he's called me to be, to, to get me back on the straight path, to cause me to come back into alignment with his ways and his word. There are times when I've needed that, and he lovingly does that, and sometimes it's with an encouragement. It's, hey, Shauna, this is who I see in you. This is who you are called to be. And sometimes it's with the warning. Like, you need to get this straight. This is not who I've called you to be. This is not in alignment with what my word says. He does both. So with that in mind, let's quickly go back and read these verses in Hebrews. It says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. What is happening, what we're seeing here is that, um, yeah, it's possible to fall away, clearly. Some people have done it. 
But this falling away isn't this word, it doesn't mean it happened by accident. This wasn't just a careless, oops, I made a mistake and all of a sudden I'm out. No, this was an intentional rejection of the things of God. This was an intentional rejection of the love and life of Jesus. This was a violation, a willful violation of the relationship. If someone is unable to turn back to God like the scriptures suggest, you better know, know for certain, the reason is not on God's end. That's not his purpose, that's not his will, but it is the person's will. They can choose, we can choose to walk away. So that, but this is what's happened. So people have read these verses and it has led some to fear that if they make a mistake or if they turn away from Jesus or if they get hurt or, uh, by someone in the church or by the church or they don't understand something that's happened and they blame God for it, there have been some that have feared that if they turn away in their hurt and in their pain and in their anger or whatever it is, that they can never repent and come back again. There have been some that have understood this passage to mean that they have to be in constant fear and have constant hopelessness and not being secure in God's love for them and their place in his kingdom. My friend that I was telling you about earlier, he had this huge fear that because he had walked away, because he had gone back to his addiction, because that had overtaken him again, that he couldn't come back to Jesus. And that is a lie. Just, that's a lie. That is not God's heart. God is always willing. His arms are always open, but he will allow you to move and walk away if that's what you so choose. But his stance is unchanging. His stance is for you. His stance is toward you. His stance is welcoming of you every single time. Every single time. This is what we need to keep in mind, because the word is clear on this, that God's desire is for all, all, no one's excluded, that God loves all, nobody is excluded. He desires a personal, life-changing, transforming relationship with all, everyone, no one is excluded. He wants us to freely choose him, though. That's the thing. He wants us to choose him. And if we can freely choose him, then we can also freely reject him. We can freely walk away from him. I am so blessed that this man, this friend of mine, this brother in Christ, finally stopped listening to the lies of the enemy. And he finally realized that he can come back to Jesus because Jesus was right there waiting for him. That Jesus had been chasing after him. That Jesus had been loving him completely. And it wasn't easy, you guys. It wasn't easy. It wasn't like he got a second miraculous deliverance. No, he had to do the work. And he had to have a community around him. He had to have brothers and sisters praying and interceding for him. And do you know who else he had? He had Jesus Christ right there with him going through each and every step, bringing him closer to freedom, bringing him closer to deliverance, and bringing him closer to freedom, and bringing him closer to deliverance. Jesus was right there loving on him, encouraging him, and helping him to come back and to be set free and to be whole. This man is now an elder in the church. God is good. It's not too late. It's not too late. We can freely choose him, 
but we can also freely walk away from him. But he is so there for us. His heart is for us. His heart is there ready to welcome us back in. Now, if we thought those initial passages in Hebrews were rough to read, wait till you get a load of uh, chapter 10. All right, here we go. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a dreadful thing. This is hard. I, trust me, I would much rather be like preaching on Romans 8, 38 all day long. But these passages are here for a reason, remember? Because God lovingly is trying to warn us. And sometimes those warnings are stern and they are out loud and they are bold because you know what? Our life depends on it and our life is worth that. So again, it's important to, to recognize that we are talking about intentional actions here. This is deliberate behavior that does not reflect Jesus. This, what we're talking about, is, it was willful disobedience to the teachings of Jesus. It was a breach of faith. They were treating Christ's act of giving himself up on the cross with contempt. It was as if, instead of being those who were at the foot of the cross weeping for their Savior, they were a part of the mob. They were a part of the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They had wanted nothing to do with the sacrifice and the love of Jesus. There is a lot of Old Testament sounding language in these verses. Um, and it's similar language to things we read in the Old Testament. Uh, in particular, talking about the Levitical priesthood. The Levites were the high, they had the highest responsibility in the Old Testament. They were the priests. And there was a huge group of them that had gotten super rebellious. And the consequences was severe because their responsibility was a big deal. And they were intentionally disobeying and being rebellious. So the consequences were severe. The law of Moses, that this is referring, referring to, um, was, was interesting. So there were three things that you could do under the law of Moses that would grant you immediate uh, execution, immediate death penalty. One of them was to murder someone. One of them was to blasphemy the, the word of God. And the third was idolatry. And all it took was two or three witnesses to say, uh, this person um, was practicing idolatry and immediately executed. Or, or any of these three. There were three things that just got you. There was no pity. There was nothing. There was no talking about it. There was no pleading your case. It was just immediately you were put to death. And this scripture is saying that the punishment from walking away from a relationship with God is even more severe than that. What does that mean? And oh my gosh, yes, that is scary. I know. But here's the deal. We have to remember God's judgment is his withdrawal. That's how we experience God's judgment. We have to remember this is when God pulls back and allows us to live in the consequences of our choices. 
allows us to live in the consequences of the sin that we choose. It isn't something that he wants. It isn't something that he desires. He's not happy to do so. I believe with a broken heart, he just withdraws and allows us in our choice to walk into the destructive things that he once saved us from. And if we do that, it is dreadful. It is horribly dreadful. Because you guys, this world as we know it will eventually pass away. And there will come a day when we are face to face with our Savior. And the truth of our hardened heart will be fully exposed. And if at that point we are still choosing not God, and if at that point we're still choosing our own self-destructive behaviors, God will just withdraw. It will be that final withdrawal, and there will be no turning back. It's not what he wants. It's not something we want you to be afraid of. We just want you to recognize that while your heart is still soft to the things of God, turn to him. That, yeah, we're human and we're flawed and we make mistakes and sometimes we mess up royally, but still, we can turn to him. We don't have to be afraid to lay all of the stuff at his feet because he is there ready and willing to take it up. So what does this mean for us today? Can we truly be secure in our salvation? We have to remember things that we've heard around here, things we've been taught around here, is that we believe wholeheartedly that God created humans with the gift of authentic free will. And once we come into that covenant relationship with God, he doesn't take away our free will. We still have free will. So we are free enough to enter the relationship, and we're free enough to leave the relationship. But once again, God doesn't kick us out. God doesn't say, you know what, I am so done with you and you can't learn your lesson, I'm out. God doesn't do that. People do that, but not God. God doesn't do that to us. He will allow us to leave him and break his heart, but he's always right there, ready, waiting to see if you're going to turn around, if we're going to turn back to him. If we walk away, it's because of our own choices, not because of God's choices. It is possible for a person to lose their salvation because salvation can only be found in a loving relationship with God. And if there is no loving relationship with God, if we walk away from that, then yes, we can lose our salvation. Oh my gosh, you guys. But we have to remember that he is always there lovingly calling us back from danger, lovingly calling us back from potential dangerous pathways. He is waiting for us. If we choose to live a life, though, and this is where, why there are so many warnings, if we choose to consistently live a life that constantly rejects God's will, constantly rejects his love for us, and we constantly choose death, and we constantly choose destruction, we constantly choose our own ways, there comes a point where we just simply no longer have a desire to return to him. But that's on us. That's not on him. This is a dangerous state, and that's why these Bible passages are so stern in their warnings to us. And so what is the point of all this? It's, it's simply this, you guys. If you are someone who has held your salvation loosely, if you've thought, yep, I said that prayer, I am good to go, and now I'm going to go about my life, thanks, Jesus, I'll catch you on the flip side. 
If you've held your salvation loosely, if it hasn't really impacted your life, if you've not been in that covenant love relationship with him where he is for you and you are for him and you are allowing him to fill you daily and you are allowing him to move through you and walk through you and encourage you and equip you and help you and set you free, man, don't waste time because there will come a time when your heart doesn't even care, doesn't even want to turn toward him. Don't waste time. But if you're out there and you're one of those who you've lived in fear and the enemy has lied to you and you've believed those lies that you've me- you mess up all the time, you can't get it straight, you've gone back to whatever it is, it's a bad relationship or maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's a behavior or, or just, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's not God and you're holding on to that and you're thinking, I can't give this over to him, I'm afraid that he's going to kick me out of the kingdom, kick me out of his family. You got to know that is not his heart toward you. You got to know his arms, I've said it over and over again, his arms are open wide toward you. Do not live underneath that false, gross, ugly conviction. Don't live in that. Give it over to Jesus and you will absolutely find a father who is there, ready, ready to take you back, ready to set you free, ready to help you live this life the way he's intended for you. Maybe you're out there and you feel like, you know what, neither one of those situations are me. I feel like I I know the Lord, I love him, I follow him, I try to live my life the way he would have me live. I just want to say, good for you, that is amazing, keep going, but also pray for your brothers and sisters, because my guess is, is there's going to be someone in your life that you'll come across who needs you, who's going to need the love of God that you have in you, maybe they are one of those that is just walking fast and loose with their salvation, and maybe God will use you to lovingly warn them about the path that they're down, or maybe you're going to encounter someone who just feels like they're so done. They're so bad. They're so convicted and living in that bondage of not being enough that they've sinned too much. They've gone too far. The last time was the last time and God is never going to take them back. God wants to use you to say to them, that is an absolute lie from the devil, from the pit of hell, and it is not who you are and is not how God sees you. Allow God to flow through you to help set that person free. We come to Jesus as individuals, but we live amongst a body of believers. We live amongst a community, and we cannot maintain a relationship with Jesus on our own. We need one another. So wherever you are, wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are in your place of salvation with Jesus, know that you have other people standing alongside of you, loving you, being Jesus' hands and feet for you. And hopefully you are being that to others because that's what we're called to be as the body of Christ. I'm going to call the prayer team forward. And I want to encourage you with just a few, few more things um, as the prayer team is coming forward. I just want us to fully understand and know and have deep rooted in our heart the, the very truth that his love for you is so very deep so very deep, that his love for you is so incredibly wide. It is so wide that his love covers a multitude of sins. You can't shock him. You can't sin too much. 
You can't mess up too much where he's done with you because his love covers a multitude of sins. All we have to do is lay them at his feet. His love is so fierce for you. He will go to the ends of the earth and back again for you. His love is so strong. It can shoulder anything you throw at it. It can carry you. When you are worn and you are tired and you think you can't go on, his love is strong enough to carry you. And his love is so sweet. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to fear. His love is sweet. And even when he's warning us and even when he's trying to correct us, it's out of love. And that love is so very sweet. Nothing can tear us from the grip of his mighty love. Even if we choose to walk away, his mighty love is still there waiting for us. Remember that and choose that love and then choose that love again and then choose that love again and then wake up tomorrow and choose that love again because we need it every day. This isn't just a one-time deal. We need it every day. Every day I choose the love of Jesus. It's the only way that we can make it through all the crap that's going on out there. It's the only way that we can be the light that's shining in the darkness is to choose that love over and over again. So I want you guys, don't leave. If you need prayer, come forward for prayer. If you are concerned about the state of your heart, if you feel like maybe your heart has been a little hard, let these brothers and sisters pray for you. If you feel like you've been living in bondage and under conviction of feeling like you're not good enough and Jesus won't take you, let these brothers and sisters pray for you. Man, if you're a parent and you're afraid that you've got kids who have walked away from the Lord and you don't know what's going to happen, let these brothers and sisters pray for you. If you're a teenager and you feel like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to live for God in this day and I'm going back to school soon and I don't know if I'm going to make it, let this community pray for you. If you want to know more about who this Jesus is, please, by all means, let these brothers and sisters pray for you. No that God loves you and you are not alone, you are not forsaken, you are not kicked out, but you are fully loved and fully his. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now go love each other, but come for prayer if you need to. Thanks, guys.